welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Shiz. I am the MIA CJ. Well, thank you guys so much for stopping by. I know you guys have been waiting on a new episode, so here it is. I do apologize for my absence, but before we dive in for today's fantastic episode, do not forget to follow me on Twitter, and that's Talkin' underscore shiz and that's at talking underscore shiz also follow me on instagram it's the same at talking underscore shiz i do have a pod page and that's podpage.com slash talking shiz if you don't know now you know that my wife is expecting our third child and so i have been preoccupied with that and we are having another boy this month is very special because happy third year anniversary to Talkin' Shiz. Thank you guys so much. It has been three years that this podcast has been on the air. And it's all because of you guys. You guys have definitely supported the show. And it's amazing. It's been three years already. I did not think it would last 90 days. And you guys have proved me wrong. And it actually does amaze me that folks want to hear my voice. I don't even want to hear my voice. It kind of makes my stomach turn a little bit. It's like, is that really what I sound like? It does not match my face. My voice does not match my face. If you don't know, I am a bit of a collector. And being a collector, there's certain things that I like to collect. Certain action figures or items, whatever. One thing that does bother me about collecting is that there's some folks out there that will take advantage of your childhood and what i mean by that is like you remember when you're growing up you had this favorite toy whatever it could be and you love that toy and somehow something happened to it maybe your parents sold your favorite toy in a yard sale or maybe a younger sibling may have broke it or it could have got stolen or you just lost it you know whatever has happened to it but anyway there was certain toys or action figures whatever you want to call them that i misplaced no that's just a lie no my mom actually sold some of my toys in a yard sale and as i got older i remember the fond memories of playing with these toys and i just want those action figures back so i can remember the time i was playing with them as a child and i think that's why most people collect action figures or collect whatever is to have those memories back when i was growing up i didn't have a lot of money my mom and dad they provided what they could for us but when they did buy us a toy that was outside of christmas or our birthday i cherished that toy that's how it was for me when when you're going on these sites you know like ebay or amazon and or even if you go to these toy collector places that that sadly sadly over overprices that toy that you're looking for it really agitates me i understand that you have to make a profit especially with inflation being being the way it is i don't understand why people are taking advantage of folks childhood like i said i can understand making a profit but you don't have to price gouge the shit out of somebody they have overpriced this and the sad part is as a collector someone out there will pay a hundred dollars for a ninja turtle action figure or a thundercat 
action figure, He-Man or whatever, even Ghostbusters. Like I've been wanting the Ghostbuster firehouse forever. You can go to eBay and you could find this playset and some folks are charging $200 for this playset. I understand you want to make some money, but it's sad that you are overcharging for someone's childhood. And also, you are taking advantage of people. And that's sad. I did have a little eBay store at one time and I had these graphic tees that I don't wear. So I wanted to get rid of them. Five bucks a piece uh, with shipping and handling was four dollars. It was nine dollars. And I always did best price, you know, best offer ever, whatever the hell it is. And someone said, oh, yeah, I'll give you three dollars. OK, that's fine. I'll get rid of it. You know, it didn't mean that much to me. It's a graphic shirt. I want it out of my house. It's eBay is just like this huge garage sale or yard sale that people can unite around the world and you sell your shit. I don't believe in like overly pricing something. I just want to get rid of it. But with that being said, talk about childhood. <laughs> uh, okay, I had no segue for what I'm about to talk talk to you next about. There's no segue for this, but I have been watching quite a bit of TV, and I actually saw a really good documentary. Actually, a couple of documentaries on Netflix, and I don't know if anyone has has seen this yet or does anybody actually remember this do you remember woodstock 99 if you don't know what woodstock is this man decided he was going to put on a music festival in 1969 that was full of festivities woodstock 69 was a festival of music where they promoted peace and love and also, there was drugs, alcohol, sex, but they all were vibing together. That's all that mattered. And it was full of festivities. And you had Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin. Uh, I can't even remember any, anybody else. They got on stage, they played, and folks were just grooving. Now, this was kind of like a protest for uh, Vietnam that happened around that time period. They tried to do another Woodstock in 94, but it got rained out. These people decided, let's put on another Woodstock in 1999. A lot of things happened in 1999. Music was changing, and people were changing. A lot of stupid shit happened in 1999. This group of money-hungry people decided that they want to put on a brand new music festival. I see three big issues with what happened. When you, when you see this documentary, number one, you have these greedy assholes in charge of this festival. You can see it. They really took advantage of people. They cut costs with their sanitation. They cut security. They did a lot of cuts that shouldn't have been. They paid the entertainment what they wanted, and they got free shit because it became more of a sponsorship than it was about the music. The original Woodstock 69 was about the music. It was about coming together. In 1999, is corporate America coming together for greed and shit. And instead of them actually providing what they need to provide, they contracted some of the workout to vendors like food and whatnot. And these assholes decided to charge $8 for a sandwich, $4 for a bottle of water. Then they put this festival on an empty military base on a tarmac that had a runway. It's the middle of July on an empty military base that was full of concrete. So what could go wrong? A festival on a huge slab of concrete. It's 100 degrees out and there's no shade. Number two on my list is the entertainers. Not all the entertainers, but certain entertainers there. 
You had Limp Biscuit, old Fred Durst. And the way Fred Durst looks now, he looks like he should own his own home improvement show on TLC. I guess age was like fine cheese to him. You have all these young people and these frat boy assholes. That's exactly what they were. You, uh, I'll talk about those frat boy assholes on my third point. But the entertainers get on and they kind of rout up the crowd. Now, corn, I loved corn. It tastes good with fried chicken and mashed potatoes. But I'm actually talking about the band corn. They did a set, rout up the crowd. But it wasn't as bad. I mean, corn, Jonathan Davis, they did it. They did it pretty cool. And then they had Bush uh, the ne- uh, right after corn. They had other artists there, like Sheryl Crow, Jewel, and some others I can't remember. So the next day, it was hotter than Friday, so now it's Saturday, and people were passing out from heat exhaustion. And by that evening, the crowd was very agitated. They were hot. And then Limp Biscuit gets on stage, and he started singing one of his songs, Break Stuff. Well, Fred Durst had a moment where he can actually say, hey, everybody calm down. Let's enjoy the music together. But no, he is a egotistic asshole. And he's like, let's break stuff. Da, 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 break stuff. And then, you know, you have all these teenagers, your early 20 morons that lost their damn minds. I mean, he jumped on this plywood crowd surfing. The last night of the festival, the Red Hot Chili Peppers finished out the evening and Flea was butt-ass naked and nobody wanted to see his dong flying everywhere. So before they did their encore, they gave out candles and they want to do a candlelit visual. And so the the candlelit visual didn't go as planned. It wasn't a peaceful candlelit visual. Lo and behold, someone started a fire. The, the producers or whoever of the show asked the, the lead singer, and I can't remember his name, of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, could you go out there and say something to the crowd like, we have to put out this fire? The lead singer was like, uh, we can't do anything about it. Um, uh, I mean, it, it is what it is, but we'll, we'll go back on stage. And instead of just saying something, hey, can you guys move? They're entertainers. I mean, they do have certain type of influences over people. I mean, c- come on. You know, if your favorite entertainer's on stage, and I mean, yeah, you're going to vibe out to them. You know, who, no matter who it is, you're going to vibe. They got back on stage for an encore. Red Hot Chili Peppers had this brilliant moment where they wanted to sing and play Jimi Hendrix's Fire. Anyway, that just sets the crowd off, and then all hell broke loose. The entertainers had a moment there where they can actually maybe calm people down, but they chose not to. They didn't care. They got their money. They're, they're heading off in their limos because they had, they had nice food. They had water. They gave them shoes. I mean, they, it was kind of like the Oscars with all these gift basket shit that they was giving out. They had a moment to actually be responsible and try to calm some of these people down. There was 250,000 people there on this tarmac. I'm just saying that they could at least did something, but they didn't care. They got their money and they ran. They literally fucking got out of there. So here's my third point. The third point is definitely for this whole ordeal, why this happened. I blame this trifecta, this triangle of bullshit that happened. Third is the people that were there. They could have done this peacefully, but no. I mean, there was a big difference between Woodstock 69 and Woodstock 99. The music was one of the difference, and Woodstock 69 was more about peace and love, like coming together, unity. This was just a shit show. That's exactly what this was. But the people there, they were being overly charged. They got charged out the ass to get in. They took their water. They took everything from them, and you can only bring your tent or whatever they had with them. Then you come in, and you go fucking broke. They had ATM out the ass and so these people got pissed off it was hot they didn't have drinking water they couldn't afford water the porta potties was overflowing 
into the water system, so they had to turn off the water. Trash was everywhere. The way that they handled themselves was very immature. If you didn't like it, you should have fucking just left. If everybody would have just left, say, you know what, fuck this. You had a chance to leave, but no, you stood there because it was just one big party. That's all it was. And then all of a sudden you see people rioting there, turning over shit, blowing up uh, truck trailers. It could have been different. I mean, they were spray painting profit stock, which it was. I mean, these dumb producers over this whole festival was all about making money instead of throwing on a good time like it was in Woodstock 69. But anyway, if you get a chance, that that, that was just a long overview of the of the documentary. If you get a chance, definitely check it out. It, it's definitely worth it. It's only two episodes and there's a lot more shit that happened. You know, they do say that money is the root of all evil and it can haunt you. And talking about haunting, a woman married a 300-year-old pirate ghost announces their marriage is over. Would this be the true definition of I got ghosted? And see, folks, this is why communication is, is really key in a relationship. You have to be transparent with each other. Maybe she was mad because he was always gone and she never saw him. Who the fuck marries a ghost? Where does this shit come from? I how does this happen? How can you marry a fucking ghost? How can you walk up in this ceremony and go, no, he's here. You can't hear him. He's over rattling change and going, Ooh. Earlier this year, Amanda, a 45-year-old Jack Sparrow impersonator from Northern Ireland, she wed a 300-year-old pirate ghost named Jack. If Hollywood ever turned this story into a movie, more than likely it'd be rated R. I wonder if they ever went to Arby's together. It seems like their marriage was not going to end. She said, I feel it's time to let everyone know that my marriage is over. All I want to say is be very careful when dabbling in the spirits. It's not something to mess with. I'm sure that is not the only spirit she is dabbling in. The couple had a private ceremony on a boat in the international waters off of Ireland. <laughs> so the marriage would be legal. So it's illegal to marry a ghost. Interesting. I mean, how would you even sign the marriage license? I mean, is he going to possess you or say you're possessed and go, oh, I'm the ghost. I'm going to sign my own name. Oh. There would be no way I would have a straight face if someone asked for a marriage license to marry a ghost. On to the story. So Amanda, she hired a medium for the ceremony so Jack could say, I do. I'm going to hire a medium to speak through the ceremony. Mm-hmm. Making the union official on paper. And since Jack couldn't put a ring... <laughs> if you don't like, just put a ring on it. <laughs> so he... <laughs> So stupid. Since Jack couldn't put a ring on it, they held a candle that was a ring. <laughs> that symbolizes Jack. This is Jack. He's a candle. He's not nimble and he's not quick, but he may jump over the candlestick. She said their story began in 2014 after the ghost of a man visited her while she was laying in bed. She soon learned that he was Jack, an 18th century pirate who had been left at the altar once before and was executed for thievery. Poor Jack. He was left at the altar and he was killed for thievery. That's what pisses me off about ghosts. You're sleeping, you're having just a chill time, and they come up there with their haunting ass trying to just disturb your rest. That's bullshit. Inconsiderate. I wouldn't marry 
person. How inconsiderate. You won't even let me sleep. She said that she interacted with him. <laughs> so she interacted with the ghost over the course of several months. And she claimed that they began to develop feelings for each other. Honey, sometimes I feel like, you know, you see right through me. You get me. You see my soul. And after six months of them communicating with each other, him saying, uh, and she said, uh-huh, I understand where you're coming from. They eventually started a sexual relationship, but she wanted more. I bet she did. <laughs> you know, I need more from you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they, they decided to, you know, get married after this relationship because <laughs> she wanted more. <laughs> Why are you always gone? You know, you need to be around for the ghost children. You can't go out and get milk and cigarettes. <laughs> anyway, so they end up getting married. And she said that he would have been happy like most men with just sex, but she wanted something more and deeper. And she said that although it was not a positive response when she tells people that she married a ghost, but she hopes that her story will encourage others to not be alone or afraid. There's other ghosts out there that you can get married to. If you're single, apparently there is a lot of single ghosts that are looking to date people. Maybe they should have a ghost dating app and you could just select whatever ghost you want to haunt you. And you guys can meet in an abandoned asylum, hospital, prison, or even a haunted house. And you have a nice candlelit dinner haunting each other with some great conversation. Apparently now you can marry ghosts. Talking about another ghost story. Worker disappears after he accidentally got paid more than 300 times his salary. Oh, yeah, I would have ghosted right there. Oh, absolutely. Could you imagine that? That phone call? Ring, 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 ring. Hello? Uh, yes. Is this Mr. Smith? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, yeah, this is your job calling, and, uh, we want to let you know we accidentally paid you more than what you're worth, and we're going to need you to pay that back. Uh, could you stop by the office and bring a check and, uh, bring our money back, please? And which Smith are you looking for? Uh, yes, is this George Smith? Uh, no, 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 this is, this, this, this is Mike Smith. Uh, you got the wrong Smith, sorry about that. Click. That's how that conversation <laughs> would have went for me. And plus, here, here's the thing. I don't think it's the employee's fault. If your payroll department made that mistake, it's that person's money. You should not ask for it back. You should be better with your books. I do not think that the employee should have to pay it back. You made the mistake, not him. I mean, we're all busting our ass trying to make a living. We don't see these CEOs or these presidents of the company struggling. Hell no. So fuck off. That's your problem. A worker in Chile submitted his resignation and could not be found after his job accidentally paid him about 330 times his salary because of a payroll error. Now, the worker, he was a dispatch assistant at a code meets manufacturer, and he received a paycheck that was 330 times his regular pay. He alerted his manager of this overpayment. According to the sources, the manager would then report the issue to HR, who asked the worker to go back to his bank and return the extra money. Well, he agreed to go to the bank the next day, but kept the money and ignored communications from his employer over the next few days. <laughs> so the man offered his resignation and said, fuck off. See ya. And now <laughs> they can't find him. 
the company's attorney sent a letter to this man, but the worker has not been heard from since. You know what he's doing? He is sitting somewhere on a beach drinking a Mai Tai and laughing his ass off. When you see me, you see me, and when you don't, you don't. Some folks can argue, well, he stole from the company. They made the mistake. Apparently, he wasn't getting paid enough, and he felt like, you know what? This is bullshit. I put in my how many hours, 80 hours every two weeks or whatever. He took the money and ran. As of today, they still have not found this guy. Technically, this is a true story of someone being ghosted. <laughs> he ghosted the shit out of that company. Talking about ghosted, I gotta disappear. I am not going to haunt your ears anymore. Don't forget to share, share, share because sharing is caring, folks. And don't forget to be you because you guys are amazing, you're awesome, and you're strong. So don't let anybody drag you down. You be the best you that you can be because there's nobody in the world that can be you except for you. As a famous philosopher once said, knowledge is like underwear. It is useful to have it, but it's not necessary to show it off. See you guys next time on a brand new episode of Talking Shit.